1: Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on
3: VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Hour number two of the Lombardi line, presented by BetMGM, Dave Ross, Mike Samich, in for Michael and Stormy today on this Tuesday. And just about every year, you can probably look at teams that went last place and the following year, skip it up the first place. There's reasons for that, right? You get that last place schedule. You get the quote unquote easier schedule. Although it's always to me, you never know what these teams really going to look like until after the draft and free agency because that's such a, a key part. Now take the Eagles, for example, last year, but you normally do. If you really look in the four divisions in each conference, you're going to find a pretty good opportunity for a team to go from last to first. So there are numbers associated with the, some of those teams. Now, one of the teams feels like an outlier, right, in this market, and that would be the JTS, Jets, who did finish last last year in the uh, AFC East. So 7-10 and 10 a year ago, and we know now, because everybody's reading the tea leaves, that their number's been shorted mightily to go from last to first, and that's plus 210 to win the division this year because of Aaron Rodgers. I are, I think I know you well enough by now, Mike, just from doing two whole shows together, that I think I know which team in this marketplace in the AFC you might like. Can I guess? Go for it. I mean, we go way back to Sunday. So Go all the way back to Sunday, <laughs> where we both kind of looked at the Browns at 3-1 to one in the North and said, that feels real. Because if Deshaun Watson is who the Browns thought they were getting, just from a quarterback perspective, this team should be vastly improved. Vastly improved. And
3: if you look around the other divisions as well, like the, the Broncos have to overtake the Chiefs. That's not happening, okay? The Texans, their roster is a mess. They're going to have a rookie quarterback. Let's throw them out. So then you're staring at the Jets plus 210 or the Browns plus 300 as your two options. I'm not so sold that this is just going to be all roses and butterflies when when Aaron Rodgers gets to New York, that this is going to work out perfectly. And you have multiple options in that division that I feel like could cause problems for the Jets. Look, if Tua comes back Hmm. and Tua is good... The Dolphins have a legitimate shot at winning that division. The Bills are the best team in that division right now. So you have two issues there. You look at the Browns. Steelers aren't very good. This Baltimore Ravens thing, if Lamar's Uh-oh. not there, you can cross them off too. So it's it's the Browns or it's Cincinnati, and you're getting plus 300 on the Browns. To me, that's
4: the best place to go if you're looking for a fourth to first division winner in the AFC. I think the problem, though, that, that you just raised is the Bengals. That that's the one team now that feels like the way they play, like defense, and nobody ever talks about them in defense, right? But they, by the way, the Brown's pretty good on defense as well. They've got key pieces there too. So are the Steelers for that matter. I, I'm with you. There's no way the Ravens at plus 325, that number should be like, to me, that should be five to one somewhere in that vicinity. We'll figure out what they do a quarterback, but I'm with you. I think the Browns at three to one feels playable to me, but it is the Bengals. How do they usurp the Bengals? And again, injuries happen. Nobody wishes for injuries, but they do happen. They're going to happen. So again, you just, we can't assume that Joey B is going to be just fine. And their offensive line feels like it's, it's trying to get better on paper. He's still getting hit a lot. Right. So that could be an issue. And Deshaun Watson mobility is, is one of his traits, right? That he, he doesn't get hit a lot. So there are a lot of things that you can look at the Browns and say at three to one, it feels like a, a bettable price.
3: Well, and you hit the nail on the head with the Bengals here. They had a, horrific offensive line two years ago Mm -hmm. they tried to address that in the offseason last year had three new starters week one they didn't get much better by the end of the season this offensive line is still a train wreck they need to figure out how to shore it up so they can make sure Joe Burrow has enough time to hit all of these targets that they're getting and they got Irv Smith now there signing a one-year deal I thought that was a great thing for the Bengals organization how often have we heard a free agent saying, I want to go to Cincinnati? Right. So that's a wonderful change for them there. But the the offensive line is still the key issue here with this team. Joe Burrow has had a major knee injury before. He has taken a ton of punishment early in his career here. I, I agree with you. We're not rooting for an injury. No, You're not but they trying happen. to even project an injury. But you know he's going to get hit a lot, which makes it more likely than some other quarterbacks.
4: You know, part of my handicap this time last year, if you remember – At this time last year, you could have gotten the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC East at over three dollars. They were like plus three ten, plus three twenty in the marketplace. And part of my handicap then was we didn't know that Jalen Hurts was going to turn out to be an MVP candidate. But it was the backup quarterback. It was Gardner Minshew, and I went, well, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt, and he got hurt, and he missed time at the end of the year, that's why he didn't win MVP. These things happen. That's why we're, we're we're trying to go down that primrose path. That do they have enough in the backup spot? If somebody like a Joey Burrow goes down in Cincinnati where the Browns wouldn't be playable at 3-1, now it incumbent upon Deshaun Watson to stay healthy because, again, you're looking for a big bounce-back year for him because, look, he was underwhelming in his time. He looked rusty. He looked like a quarterback who hadn't played in a couple years. Let's go to the AFC West because I know we're poo-pooing the Broncos and they were only a 5 win team a year ago. Russ, surgery in the offseason. We're assuming he's going to be now if you're a Bronco <laughs> back. This is not Wood, by the way. No. But you're assuming now that he is healthy. Because if he was healthy and that's the best at a rush, you've got bigger problems. So now we can use the injury if we want as an excuse. Use Nathaniel Hackett as an excuse if you want. Now you got Sean Payton in there. Are they at plus 450 to go last to first? Is there any playable scenario in your mind for the Broncos? I don't hate the idea
3: of them being significantly better this year. Mm-hmm. They have a Kansas City Chiefs problem. <laughs> and that, to me, is, is the big bugaboo here. The Chiefs have just hosted the AFC title game the last five years. <laughs> That's all. No big deal. <laughs> wow. With number one uh, schedules every single one of wow. those years. They just keep winning games. They're going to be better this year. So how good do the Broncos need to be? How much do they need to improve to be able to win this division? The answer is wildly significant. If you're playing the Broncos, we talked about Burrow getting hurt. You're almost betting on Mahomes getting injured because that's the way this Chiefs team doesn't win the division. If, If Mahomes stays healthy, Kansas City is going to win this division. Minus 160 seems like a steal in my mind for Kansas city. If you believe that he can stay healthy and I do, and this defense is going to be better. They start eight rookies at some point last mm-hmm. year. They got better. They got better as the season went along. The offensive line is something they're working on, but has been improved. you still got Kelsey there. You have rumors that D hop might end up there to me that the, the Broncos biggest issue here is the chiefs. Now, if you want to look at Broncos to make the playoffs, we could have a little discussion about that, depending on the number. But I I see it very very difficult for them to be able to leapfrog the Chargers and then the Chiefs, who's been dominant in this division the last five six
4: years. I grabbed the Raiders at twelve to one and win the division. They signed Jimmy G, the number one up, fourteen to one. Don't like don't like how that turned out for me. Uh, let's go to the NFC and let's start off in my division, the NFC East. Obviously, there has not been a repeat champion in this division since two thousand three two thousand four. Donovan McNabb. And Andy Reid were the brain trust back in those days. You look at the commanders at 10-1 to 1 to flip the script and go last to first. Now, they're, you know, as somebody watches that team closely, as a Cowboy backer, uh, they've got a defense that we know. This is the way that they've built this roster, is defense first. Again, uh, Marty Mayhew, the new GM there. Martin says they are not in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. They say they're going to go with Sam Howell. Again, because we know there's always turnover in the division, and they are defense first. They should be in a lot of games. Is that a playable number to you? For me, ten to one's not quite enough, and it's a Sam Howell problem. There is no
3: quarterback here now. If this is Lamar Jackson, ten to one looks Great. gorgeous, right? Because this is a very uh, influx division. You've seen different champions every single year. The Eagles looked phenomenal last year, but they're in a little bit of cap trouble this year. Getting Slayback, I thought, was a really nice move to be able to keep it under the number and keep him coming back here. But the Eagles are vulnerable in this spot to me. So if you're taking a shot at someone to win the division, I don't mind looking at the NFC East. If you want to look at the Cowboys or even the Giants, I'm a huge Brian Dayball homer. So I, I, both of those teams, I think are a decent number there as I do believe the Eagles are going to regress here and should not be the favorite. Well, they should be the favorite to win the division, but they shouldn't be a significant favorite. And right now there's 65 cents difference between them and the Cowboys.
4: I want to go to the NFC South because I did play this a uh, little bit of a better number than you can get from worst to first right now. That's the ATL, the Falcons. And right now they're four to one uh, to flip that script and go to now again, second betting favorite to get Lamar Jackson behind the Colts if he in fact leaves Baltimore. It's look at the Bucks who owned it for the brief time that Tom Brady was there. He's gone. Now the Saints have hopped up. Derek Cardown, the starting quarterback there. Panthers are plus 250, the draft's gonna be interesting. They have the number one pick. What do you make of the Falcons at four to one? I think it's a little interesting. I think Desmond Ritter obviously
3: very important for them what they're gonna do at quarterback. This is a division which is just wide open. It really is. I mean the the Saints have improved adding Derek Carr is a huge edge they get Michael Thomas back they've got solid a solid wide receiver a wide receiver on the other side in Crystal Olave they've got we'll see what happens with Kamara he should be in but we'll, we'll see what happens there with the legal issues mm-hmm. they've got a ton of talent on both sides of the ball they should be the favorite in this division but this is what you call a speculative favorite This isn't a favorite that's shown it on paper. This isn't the Chiefs like we talked about. This isn't even the Eagles like we talked about who made it to the Super Bowl last year. This is a team that is being bet based on the come, not based based on what they have done. So if you're going to take a shot, another not a bad division to take a shot in. And the Falcons do have a ton of talent around Desmond Ritter. Now the question is going to be what can they do with it? I'm interested to see what they do in the draft. They've got one shutdown corner. They're sitting there, I believe it's at number nine, have the opportunity to take a second shutdown corner. That's a team that I think maybe a year or two are out you could see the Falcons take a big jump forward if they're able to figure out that quarterback position.
4: Very quickly, because Rodgers, we believe, is going to be exiting stage left from the Packers. You look at the North here. Uh, do my Chicago brethren have any hope of Justin Fields taking that huge leap in year number three? And you're our guy because we we traded out of that one pick. Could the Bears interest you now in a division that feels wide open? But look at their number. It's been shorted to 3-1. to one. How about that? How are the Vikings 3-1? to one? I don't know. Have you looked at what the Vikings have done in the offseason? It's sell, sell, sell.
3: I mean, this is this is this this division is completely a mess. The Lions have looked. I guess they should be the favorite in this division. It's I stunning guess. Stunning numbers. I, give me the Packers at plus 450. I'm what if you. Love's better than Rodgers? Well, not better. What if he is? The roster's still better. The roster is great for the Packers. What if Love is serviceable and comes in and plays better than people expect? 450 is a wild number there on the Packers. I,
4: Mike, uh, you nailed it on the head. To me, I, I know the, the worst of first, the opportunity here for the Bears. No way. If you give me five to one, I'll think about it. The roster's not good enough right now. The Packers at plus 450, I think, is the rightful play there. All right, when we come back, we're going to look defense. And I just wonder, in a love-hate relationship, maybe a guy you'd love to play and another one you, you might hate. it. We'll discuss when you come back with us right here on the Lombardi Line.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
4: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on
1: v the sports betting network.
4: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com. Check the current betting splits data. <clears throat> Excuse me. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every single game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets or where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Back alongside Mike Samich, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line here on VEASAN. Stephanie, our producer, does a great job of giving us thoughtful assignments, preparing for shows. And one of them that she's phrased it is a love-hate relationship when you look at the defensive player of the year market for next year. I think Stephanie knows where my heart is and one guy I'd love to bet and probably will bet. And then you got to go like, what's a bet on there that you absolutely hate? Now, right now, the shortest favorite on the board to be the defensive player of the year is my guy down there in Dallas. That, I that lion there. heart, that Nittany lion, Micah Parsons right now is the shortest favorite on the board at plus 650. So I'll, I'll lead the witness right away. That's that's my heart pick. That's what that's the bet I'd love to make. I'd love the number to be larger. And, you know, I, I really thought he kind of got sh- – he was almost devalued last year in the betting market because he played hurt since the Rams game in week four – and he still played really well but he you know he was not the winner right and so now Miles Garrett is second at 7 to 1 T.J. Watt if he stays healthy it's it's correlated the Steelers win when he's on the field they lose when he's not plus 750 Nick Bosa at 11 to 1 the the name that surprises me is where he is is, is Aaron Donald at 18 to 1 cuz some would tell you that Aaron Donald is this generation's Lawrence Taylor at defensive tackle Give me a guy on the board that you love to play and one that you hate to play.
3: I don't mind the Mika Parsons play at all at 650. I think he probably was a deserving winner last year and should have gotten that gotten that Defensive Player of the Year. He was a game wrecker.
4: Yes, game wrecker changes the way you. Literally line up. He he's an offensive nightmare. Uh, offensive coordinator's nightmare. He really is.
3: Well, he can move around to so many different positions. He is able to play the run, play the pass, rush the quarterback. The guy can intercept the ball, force a fumble. He's got sideline to sideline speed. I, he is phenomenal. I don't like butting plus plus six fifty though. That's too low for me. I can't just, do. I yeah. can't do plus six fifty on a defensive player of the year when you have. Uh, we look at that. That just the first page there. Just the first eight players. Garrett, Watt, Bosa, Crosby, and Donald all missed time last year. Burns only played 15 and 17 games. Parsons was beat up. In a market like this, I'm not willing to take a low number simply because injury risk. A lot of these guys are going to end up hurt, and they're going to be off this list. I'll go to Brian Burns at Mm -hmm. 20 to 1 as a play here for me. He is 25 years old. It's going to be his fifth NFL season at 12 and a half sacks last year for a Panthers team who I think could be a little bit better this year. If he's able to really get after the passer like I think he can, then he could end up with that 17 sacks, 16 sacks, somewhere in that range that puts him right in there with for defensive player of the year, and you're getting 20 to one. Don't forget that last year, this Panther team went full fire sale on us. Yeah. They went yard sale. They just put a, they put everybody out on the curb, put a little sign on them, take me, I'm free, got out of here. He was untouchable.
4: I'm right there with you. I, I, look, I want to back Micah, but the number's too short. And so that's, that's the hate part for me. I'm right there with you. I thought you nailed that analysis perfectly. A guy that I that I will consider is Roquan Smith at 30 to 1. Now, normally you go inside backers, like can they really generate that much buzz? Well, here's the thing if Lamar Jackson is not the quarterback of the Ravens, and if John Harbaugh and company have success, it's probably going to be led by the defense. And there is lineage here going back to Ray Lewis, inside the linebacker, right? When when Ray you know, was up for MVP, potentially. That's how good Ray Lewis was in his heyday. Roquan was disgruntled in Chicago. He basically quit on the Bears and forced their hand to trade him. Now he's happy. And now he's in a defense that he loves. And he's going to have that autonomy to be the quarterback of that defense, really. And if the Ravens can surprise, and it would be a surprise without Lamar, and it'll be reflected in the number if he's no longer the quarterback there, they'll probably be 5-1 to one to win that division. If they can upset the apple cart and win with defense first, which they've done before again, back in the Brian Billick days, obviously, and Roquan is the leader of that defense, they go, well, how are we winning 10 games without Lamar Jackson? We're doing it with defense. Well, how are we doing it? Well, the leading tackler is Roquan Smith. I think he could be in play at 31. Now, it's a lot of dominoes. Lamar has to be off the team yep. in, in order for that to happen. Because if Lamar is there, it's going to go to Lamar for the credit if they win. If he's not there, then you can go defense first like they did when Trent Dilfer was a quarterback all the way to win a Super Bowl. That's where he could be viable at 30 to one.
3: This was a defense that was phenomenal via PFF once Roquan Smith got there, went to a top five defense in the NFL once Roquan Smith joined them. My biggest concern with him is counting stats. Mm-hmm. If you're going to win the Defensive Player of the Year, you have to have, you know, lead the NFL interceptions. You have to have a bunch of these sacks, a bunch of forced fumbles, a couple touchdowns. The counting stats are the sexy stat on the defensive side of the ball. Roquan Smith is not going to lead the NFL in anything. Now yep. he will contribute everywhere. So you do need that team success if you're going to try and make that argument. One other one on the board here that I thought was a little interesting... Aiden Hutchinson sitting at 28-1. to
4: What a great rookie year.
3: He was phenomenal, especially later in the year. We talked about how bad that division is. Mm -hmm. The offensive lines in that division are not great. Justin Fields loves to get sacked. The Bears didn't do do anything to address the offensive line. He could get 10 sacks in division. And if he's able to do that in those six divisional games, all of a sudden you have an opportunity for him to get to that 17-18 type sack number. This Detroit team could have a lot of buzz this year. They're in a weak division. I don't love them. They're plus 150, but they probably should be the favorite in the division. And if Detroit wins the division, one of the individual awards could easily come from that team coach of the year, probably the most likely, but one of the individual awards could easily come from there. Aiden Hutchinson, 28 to one, not an awful number there either.
4: Uh, the only corner, uh, there's two corners up there, right? You see Patrick Sertan is, is the long shot, of course, at what about 40 to one there, but it's the shortest corner on the board. Sauce Gardner. I'm at 11 to one to win player of the year. Remember, he did get rookie defensive player of the year a year ago. There's name associated. Sauce. It's a great nickname. It's phenomenal. It's one of my nicknames, too. So, like, Sauce Gardner at 11-1, it's almost – I'm not there's I'm not putting him in Deion Sanders' category, so don't at me when I say this. But Deion was that type of player that I don't know that he could win the award because they never threw at him. Do you now avoid – Sauce Gardner, if you're game planning against the Jets, and therefore he doesn't have the opportunity. But I can make an argument like I would for Dion back in the day, is because you're game planning against him, that should be part of the equation as to why he could be player de- defensive player of the year. It could, but the voters just don't think like that. It goes,
3: it goes back to counting stats. It's why I could never bet a cornerback to win this award. Because if they are so dominant in the first you half. You don't
4: roll the dice against them.
3: They, they literally just pull the rug out from under them in the second half. You're never going to get those same stats that you were able to in the first half because they don't want to go to you. They're going to game plan around you, and it's very easy to game plan around a quarter. Don't throw it to that side of the field.
4: Take it away. That's, that's, why, that's why Deion got bored out there, if you remember those days. That's why they started having and return punts. need to do something. Like, I had I high do step something. Somewhere. They don't throw my way. right? <laughs> that's part of the greatness. I'm not saying that Sauce Gardner is there, but if you do, the Jets have a really good defense. That's why Quentin Williams is up there as well. And with all due respect to guys like Aaron Donald, right? But Quentin Williams is—he's coming on yep. the inside. I mean, this guy is one of those guys, fast riser that you're going to put him in that Aaron Donald category as disruptor from the inside. Twenty to one. I don't think—I don't know that he can get there yet because again, I don't know that people really appreciate the D tackle position as much as they do the D ends, and that's why I think your Aiden Hutchinson play is a little bit better for a team that could win their division and now, favored to do so. I mean, it's a smart play, but I do think you. Unfortunately, individual awards are tied to team success. So, if the Rams, Aaron Donald at 18 to 1, I, I don't see it there in the NFC West. So, therefore, even if Aaron Donald, they double him every time, and you, know, you go into those, if they don't win and Donald doesn't have 20 sacks, he's not going to win the award. No, he
3: won't. I'm I also have a little concern about how much he will play. Right. If they start to fall back in that division as well, like is he kind really bailed good? a little bit last year? That's kind of where I'm going with this here. If let's say that Stafford and Cup aren't perfect coming back, I mean they they had to have so much injury luck to be able to do what they were able to do during their Super Bowl run and that prior year. That injury luck turned on them last year. If it turns again, and all of a sudden this team isn't good, is Aaron Donald really going to be out there giving 110 percent? probably not. So the 18 to 1 seems a little long to me there or short to me there, I'm sorry. Max Crosby 12 to 1 also seems short to me here too. If you go back to team success, this Raiders team is going to be they're 14 to 1 to win of the division. He's 12 to 1 to win defensive player of the year? No. I uh, I mean You got it. Right. Take the Raiders at 14 to 1
4: to win the division because it's got to be correlated.
3: Yeah. If he wins defensive player of the year, they should not be 14 to 1 to win the division. To me, that number is just way too short. That's the one on the board that I hate.
4: I just, by the way, it was music to my ears to hear you preach about Micah Parsons at the beginning of the segment. Because, again, I'm old enough to remember LT when he came into the league. I, I see a lot of that with Micah Parsons where you just it's LT was that guy. Where is he? you got to find him on every play because he's lining up everywhere. He's dropping the coverage. He's coming off edges. He's coming up the inside. That's Micah Parsons. If that knee stays healthy, I know it's plus 650. I'm not going to play it like you, Mike, because the number's too short. But to me, he is the best defensive player right now in the game.
3: If you redraft the NFL, he easily goes first of all the defensive players.
4: Preach! When we come back, we're going to have Josh Applebaum ship up to Boston next here on the Lombardi Line.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the
3: sports betting network.
4: Get everything you need to bet on baseball this season with our MLB betting guide. It's available now. It's got futures, team previews, and best bets. Steve Mackinnon's got power ratings on every single team, plus Adam Burke breaks down how the new Major League Baseball rules are going to impact those betters. That is fascinating. Whether you're bet baseball every single day or looking for valuable future bets, our betting guide has it all. So sign up today, get full access to VEASAN for 30 days for just $19 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Mike Samich, Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook. It is always a pleasure to welcome in Josh Applebaum, our recent sports betting analyst, host of Morning Bets and Market Insights. You can follow Josh as I do at Josh underscore insights. Josh, great to catch up. I, I really can't wait to talk baseball with you. So we're going to do that in a second. But we do have a couple NIT games, and they're happening right here in Las Vegas, not too far from us down the road at the Orleans It it feels like, is there really money to be made on Wisconsin and North Texas? Because it feels like a game that's going to be just a sleeper alert.
5: No, it definitely feels that way, guys. Great to be with you, uh, Dave and Mike. And yeah, maybe you stop by uh, Circa or South Point, place a bet, then go watch the game. I don't think tickets should be too expensive there at the Orleans, but I think there is money to be made. Now, here's what's been notable to me, guys, at NIT. There's kind of a public perception of, oh, it's not the big dance, the smaller tournament, who cares? not competitive, no reason to put my money there. But I take it completely the opposite way. I think there's a lot of value to be had in these NIT games because the public, if they do bet them, they're betting them almost blindly based off of gut instinct and bias, whereas data-driven bettors really have made a lot of money on the NIT. If you just look at NIT line moves, guys, whoever the line is going toward, take that team. Those teams are 13-7 and 7 against the spread in the NIT, 65%. So it almost kind of tells you, hey, if the wise guys target these games and they have good projections on these. There's a lot of data on these teams. Uh, so the, even though the public may not be super into them, these line moves have been really meaningful. Wherever the smart money's going, it's covering at pretty much a two-third clip here. So for this one, what's I'm going to lean North Texas, guys. I took North Texas on the money line at minus 125. Now, there hasn't been much of a line move here. You pretty much open North Texas, minus one and a half. Uh, I'm, st- I'm waiting to see on game day, do we see it get up to two? That's going to be further validation of some North Texas money. But a couple reasons to like North Texas. One, pretty good Ken Palm projection. He has North Texas winning this game by three points. So if you're getting a um, I go money line here, minus 125, I don't want to mess around with a one point win and lose my bet. But he's got a three point win here. He's got him ranked much higher, 33, uh, 33 in the country versus 62. Pretty good bet split using our VEASAN.com bet splits, only 47% of bets. On North Texas, but almost 65% of the money. So pretty good low bets, higher dollar discrepancy here. Both teams offensively are about equal 65 points a game, but North Texas is much more efficient. Uh, field goal percentage, 44% versus 42%. Three point percentage, 36 versus 34. And here's the other key when you get into these big games. Do you make your free throws? 75% for North Texas, only 69% for Wisconsin. So I'm gonna go North Texas money line, guys. And I would also say, good luck if you want to bet this total. It's so low, <laughs> it feels like it has to go over but that's always a scary way to approach a bet. 80% of bets are going over. It opened 115. It got up to 115 and a half, but now it's really starting to tumble here. It's down to 114 and a half. And these are two of the slowest paced teams in all of college basketball. In fact, North Texas is the slowest team. Wow. Wisconsin is top 20. So it's a tough one here, Dave. I think if you bet the over, you're probably going to guide your, uh, gouge your eyes out when it's like 25 to 20 at halftime.
3: I, I'm with you here, Josh. I played North Texas. I had a little birdie send me a text this morning saying that there's going to be some professional betters on North Texas as well. So I would be surprised if we aren't at minus two by the time we tip this game off. Got one other game in the NIT here. You've got Utah Valley taking on another conference USA team in UAB. This line has been We saw it open at minus two for UAB. We're all the way up to minus four. Where are you headed here?
5: Yeah, I'm going UAB in this one, Mike. So I think this is an important uh, example of trying to get a number early, trying to anticipate where the line is going because we immediately saw – early steam toward UAB and then unrelenting steam really today because I wrote about this one in the VEASAN newsletter, VEASAN.com newsletter overnight. I was like, okay, UAB minus two to minus three. We're looking good. This morning it was maybe creeping up to three and a half. Now you're up to four, even four and a half here. So a ton of consistent movement here toward UAB. This would match that line move system. Again, just whoever the team uh, gets the line movement in their favor. They're covering 65% of the time. But UAB, bunch of reasons to like them in this spot. Now, number one, uh, you're looking at um, UAB here in terms of favorites just winning uh, straight up in this uh, NIT uh, tournament favorites are 17 and nine straight up 65 percent since 2014 they're 68 percent 177 and 82 so I money line UAB this morning at minus 160 now you're up to minus 185 I really don't like going much higher than that on a money line in a college game I had some people DM me saying hey if this gets to five do you want to buy low on Utah Valley plus five I think there's a case to be made there Uh, Ken Palm only has UAB winning by two points, but I don't want to go against this movement. Uh, To me, this is a a UAB team that was kind of mad they lost to FAU. They see FAU in the final four, like that should have been us. They Mm -hmm. lost to them in their conference tournament final here. Uh, I love sweating this kid, Jordan Walker, 23 points a game, one of the most electric uh, players here in college basketball. So I'm going to stick with the money line, minus 160 earlier. Now it's up to around minus 185. Uh, It's going to just make your sweat a little bit easier. Obviously you're not going to get as big a payout if you lay a four and a half here. So it's a gift and a curse you're getting a worse number, but also it's indication that respect to money continues to flow on UAB. So it's a money line UAB play. It's a money line play here uh,
4: for North Texas for me tonight. Uh, Before we get to your NBA play tonight, Josh, should we just, Make sure that Joel Embiid cannot win the MVP since he didn't go head-to-head <laughs> last night against Nikola Jokic. Jokic right now is plus 5. Uh Joel right now is plus $1. fifteen. You back out of that game, which could have been an MVP showcase last night? What's that all about?
5: I know. Seriously, Dave. So this is funny. I'm conflicted here. I- I'm biased because I-, I have a big ticket or a couple tickets here on Jokic. It was one of the first bets I made when Massachusetts legalized betting. I got him at minus 120, and I'm like, that's a great bet here because Jokic, uh, over the last month, he got up to like minus 400. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, we're gonna win this MVP bet. But then over the last few weeks, a huge adjustment here. And Bede was playing great. Uh, obviously, saw uh, the Sixers, you know, rip off a bunch of wins in a row. Uh, you look at the the Nuggets; they kind of struggle a little bit. Jokic's putting up great numbers for an for an, any kind of better or any kind of player. But for him, it was a little more pedestrian. But last night's game, hopefully, that sends a message here because. You're right, Dave. You had Embiid, I want to say, minus 150 prior to last night. Now it's pretty much a coin flip. This might be your last chance to get Jokic at plus 105. And what I, I'll get some intel, guys, because I'm recording uh, a pod, uh, the pod with J.J. Redick later today. And I'm going to ask him, who's your MVP? Mm-hmm. He's dialed in. He calls games for ESPN. I want to know who, uh, you know, the people who vote on this, the voters, the, the writers, who they're going to go with. So I'm biased. I'm really big on Jokic. And I hope last night kind of shows you, hey, Embiid, great player, but doesn't play as much. And Jokic fills up the stat sheet. Fingers crossed Jokic gets it done.
3: Amazing flipping the odds there. They did a straw poll about six weeks ago. Seventy-seven yep. percent of the votes going toward Jokic. We saw be as high as minus two hundred and fifty there for the MVP, and then did not show up last night. What 100. are we doing, guys? What are we doing? All right, you got one game from the NBA here, Josh. Tell us about the Grizzlies and the Magic.
5: Yeah, going to look toward the over in this one, guys. I think NBA betting these totals—it's really difficult because again, you look at uh, some totals. For example, like I like the Celtics over earlier today. Thought I was getting a good number, two twenty-seven. Now it's down to like 223 because maybe Tatum won't play. So it's always this, you know, constant thing in the NBA, you know, to your, uh, you know, co- to your detriment, betting games too early and then seeing load management guys being out. So I like to wait later in the day. And this one that's kind of been late evolving for me, but I've been looking at this uh, game here, guys, as kind of a low opportunity, almost an overreaction, because uh, if you look at the, uh, the total here, it actually opened at 235. You look at our total now it's 229 and a half. So part of that is John ja Morant not playing. Uh looks like he has a thigh contusion or probably going to miss this game. But remember, he's been out for quite a while. They're kind of working him back in off the bench here. I just think this is a big over adjustment. That's fallen too much now. I think if you got an under 235, 234, you're like oh, I'm beating the closing line. I'm good here. I'm just going to ride this thing out. But now one system I have is when you buy low off a dip of three points or more. So if a total falls three points or more, you buy low, take that low watermark over about fifty-seven percent this year. Uh, you also look at these non-conference overs. Two teams, two different conferences. Uh, they've been pretty good just in general. They're about fifty-four percent. But if you look at a non-conference over when the total is two thirty or less, it's like sixty-two percent. So I'm going to bank on uh, just some points in this one. Uh, Memphis is five and two to the over their last seven. Four and two to the over their last six at home. Uh, no jot. You're expecting again lower scoring, but this is a team that can put up. Uh, points without him in a hurry here so some over refs uh, we have a good pace here good offense bad defense magic i'm gonna buy low take that over 229
4: and a half talking with josh i the host of morning bets and josh let's talk baseball begins in earnest this week can't wait for opening day the socks is there any hope for the socks <laughs> to be decent in your neck of the woods this year so I think they could kind of be decent and again our producer Steph I hope she's with me on this
5: one cuz she's also from Massachusetts but uh the perception of the Red Sox right now is they're terrible. Uh everyone's mad at Hyun Bloom, you let uh you know trade away Mookie Betts, you don't get much for him. You let uh, you know uh Bogarts go. You know, obviously how are you going to replace him? Maybe with Enrique Hernandez, but whole point being here, everyone's low on the Sox. But what's the market doing? The market's creeping up a little bit, guys. The Red Sox opened at 76 and a half wins. Now they're up to 78 and a half. So just from the standpoint of everyone down on the Sox, including New England, you go go to a Dunkin' Donuts, guys. No one's excited about the Red Sox this year. Yet the market is rising on this team. So Haim Bloom, to his credit, might have finally made a good move, bringing in Yoshida. He was great in the WBC. He's going to hit cleanup. You lock in Devers long-term. You add to your bullpen. The, really, to me, it's about the pitching. Can Kluber still you know, uh, give you some good innings? What are you going to get out of Chris Sale? Everyone's down on sale, really not expecting much out of him. But just the fact of the public being down on the Sox, yet the win total rising, I'm going to take a shot on that over 78.5. I think maybe they, they win you 80 games. I don't know if they make the playoffs,
4: but uh, all you need is 79 to cash that win total. Very quickly before I say goodbye, have you gotten any text from Meek Mill about Lamar Jackson <laughs> going to the Patriots? <laughs> I have not, and Robert Kraft. It's like, oh, I want him, but
5: Belichick can decide. You're the owner. You're gonna have to pay 200 million. I would bring him in in a heartbeat. Not a big Mac Jones guy.
4: You, you got a lot going on up there in uh, up there in the Northeast, Josh. Appreciate you as always, my friend. Enjoy and best of luck with your bets today. When you we too. come back, gonna put a finishing touches on this edition of the Lombardi Line here on these.
0: Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash
4: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive
1: Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on vSEN, the sports
3: betting network.
4: BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Come on out. Convert those BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows, and hotel rooms, at over 20 MGM resort properties located in the Las Vegas trip. And nationwide, sign up with BetMGM. Log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-wagerable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one eight hundred. Again, we wrapping up this edition of the Lombardi Line here with Mike Somich. I am Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook in Las Vegas. You've got some plays on the docket today, and I want to get to some of those. And let's start off in the NHL because you really do a great job of handicapping this market. And I know you're looking at Carolina today. How do you play the Hurricanes today when they are a sizable favorite?
3: Well, they're they're actually pretty short on line. Short I think on... They're minus one thirty-five right now against uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning here in this spot. And this is a game where you kind of have two teams going a little bit of different directions. Tampa Bay really struggling lately. You've seen the Hurricanes really pick it up. One of the best teams at home in the NHL. Interesting thing about the Lightning here: twenty-six losses on the season. Nineteen of those twenty-six by two goals or more. Mm. So. Instead of taking the minus one thirty-five, I'm going to go ahead and take the plus one eighty okay. with the Hurricane here at home. I think they're able to get the job done by two or more goals in this spot. I like that juicy plus one eighty
4: number. And that's the number that really stuck out to me. Is that, boy, I'm getting that good plus money at plus dollar eighty. But the, the numbers do correlate when Tampa Bay loses. So if they go down, normally it's going to be by two or more. In the NBA, I believe you've got to pick there. What do you like in the association? Yeah, give me the Cleveland
3: Cavaliers tonight taking on the Atlanta Hawks. This is a pick pick 'em. Jarrett Allen doubtful. Keep an eye on him. We'll see if he ends up in the lineup or not. But to me this is more of a play against the Hawks than it is for the Cavaliers. Hawks have given up at least hundred and twenty four points in four of their last five. The only game they didn't was to the Detroit Pistons, who are awful. Mm. Uh, Cavaliers have won four straight here. Uh, I believe this is pick them right now. We got minus one and a half on the screen. I originally thought I was going to play Cavs minus one. I like them anywhere in that number. I think they're able to win a short one here. You can get minus 110 on the money line there. So give me the Cavaliers. We'll just take my, money line minus 110 in this spot.
4: Another short favorite that you like today, we've talked a little bit about it with our guest today with Will Hill and Josh Applebaum in North Texas out here at the Orleans playing in the NIT. Slow paced game. I, I cannot believe they're actually slower paced than Wisconsin, but the mean green are in that uh, are certainly in that boat here. What do you make of North Texas tonight? Conference USA has been dominant
3: in all of these. They could win every single tournament, postseason tournament here, but the CBI, the NIT, as well as the NCAA, big dance. I'm going to go with the North Texas here. I'm going to lay the one. I made this game two and a half originally. The fact that I had this game a little bit above the spread, we've had two people on here who liked it. I know a a syndicate is going to be on Mm -hmm. this one as well. That's enough for me to take advantage of that that short differential between my numbers at minus two and a half and what we're seeing right now, minus one, minus one and a half. So give me North Texas. Let's continue that conference USA love, see if they can get into the finals
4: here for the NIT. Yeah, you guys have sold me. I'm going to be back in the mean green now as well, laying that point, point and a half. I do want to get to something you and I were talking about during the break, and I think it's fascinating. It's, it's really, I think, a smart way to handicap the Final Four. Okay, so again, we're gonna have the big uh, double dip on Saturday before we play the national championship next Monday night. UConn is now the betting favorite. Now remember when you and I were talking this weekend, they were about plus a dollar twenty-five. Mm-hmm. After everything shook out, they are now minus a dollar twenty-five. But Mike, I think, really educated gambler here. You're looking at it, the MVP market, as a much better way to, to navigate this versus weighing the money with UConn.
3: Yeah, if you're a UConn fan, and we actually talked about this on Sunday as well. They were plus dollar uh, twenty-five. You had the two possible uh, most valuable or most outstanding player awards, both uh, Sonago and Hawkins, over plus three twenty-five at that time. If you bet them both, what you're essentially doing is creating a ticket where if UConn is able to win the title. Instead of getting plus 125, you're getting plus 165. We're right back in that same scenario two days later. UConn minus 125, you're getting plus 225 on both these guys. So if you bet 100 bucks on UConn, you're getting minus 125 for them to win the tournament. If you bet 50 bucks on both of these guys to win most outstanding player, you're going to end up getting plus plus. What is that? Plus Plus one twelve and a half, and a half, essentially. So you're creating significantly extra value, almost 37 and a half cents extra value for every dollar that you bet by finding an alternate market to be able to play. And if UConn wins, one of these two guys is winning most outstanding, outstanding player. If UConn loses in the final game and one of them goes off against Miami and has a big game, there is a world where they could still win that. So you could possibly lose with UConn and still win with the most outstanding players. So it's a really good way to attack different markets like this when you have a minimum amount of choices from a single team to be able to win an award.
4: It's brilliant. Adama Sonogo right now is plus 225. Jordan Hawkins plus 225. Again, Mike's already done the math for you. That is a smarter, if you're gonna back UConn, excuse me, UConn, we cannot stress this enough. You need to play Sonogo and Hawkins at plus 225 instead of playing UConn at minus 125. That's it. Those are your options. And the the math is, is just you're going to increase and go from a negative to a plus and create plus value here by playing that MVP market. Similarly, when we look at Miami, okay, look at Isaiah Wong at 12 to 1 and look at Jordan Miller at 12 to 1. I see Nigel Pack there at 15 to 1. And that could be the caveat if you like the Canes. But again, for Miami, and I do like the Canes, they're plus 475. I told you. I'm kicking myself. I could have got them at 45-1 to 1 before the Houston game, and now you can only get plus 475. But if we're taking an educated risk, and remember Jordan Miller did not miss a single shot, and this is a tournament-long most outstanding player mop, okay? So Miller is in play. I love Isaiah Wong. I love the way he attacks a the basket. They didn't make one three in the second half, and he did damage in the block with fadeaways against guards. I mean, they attack. But is the better way to play Wong and Miller at 12-1 to for the Canes versus the plus 475 to cut the whole thing down? This one's a little tougher for me because I don't see a world where anyone from the Canes
3: wins it if they lose. So they have to win the title. So you don't have that kind of backdoor option there, which I do think you have specifically from Hawkins for, uh, for UConn. And then the the third option is the other problem that yeah. that, that you have here that that pack is sitting there at fifteen to one. If you bet all three and you bet them evenly, you are getting a worse price on two of them and a better price on one than what you could to just bet Miami to win it all. If you have a huge like if you don't like Pack, if you think he cannot win the, MB, the MOP, then that is a better play. It's to play the two, both Wong and Miller, versus playing Miami to win the title. However, in this case, because it's been such a three guard dominant system. I would be a little nervous that it could be Pax weekend. Right. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there saying, I like Miami. I should have bet him at 45. And I should they, have bet and, at 475. I bet two of the three to win the mop. And the other guy won it and I catch nothing.
4: Because they share the basketball. They do. They, they do. They really do. If you've been watching Miami and Coach L, the way they're going to, Nigel Pack is in play. Uh, and Mike, I think that's really smart. The other thing to, to make note of, if Miami beats UConn, which they are now five and a half point dogs, they're going to be favored against whoever comes out of the other side, whether that's San Diego State or FAU. So remember that in the equation as well. So you're getting the plus money right now. That won't be there in the title game. They will then be favored to win the national championship. It's a surprisingly easy way to
3: cover bet here, right? So if if you have plus 475 with Miami, and they're able to beat UConn, who's, like you said, five and a half point favorite right now, you're going to be able to catch points with FAU or SDSU Bet what? Let's say you bet $100 to win 475 We go to the title game. You can bet 220 on the dog. Plus the points. Plus the points to win 200 Middle. You're guaranteed $100 profit. And you also have a middle scenario where you're cashing both tickets. So if you like Miami, I, I think betting the 475 is a great way to do it. And as we talk this out, and I, I appreciate talking this out with you here, David, this is another situation here where you want that plus $475 versus the, the mop because you're able to cover bet or you'll be able to try and – I'm not going to call this hedge because really what you're trying to do is create middle. a middle for yourself. Sure. You're able to create that middle by not playing the mop, where if you play the mop, you can't really create a middle in any way, shape, or form. So I like this plus one, plus 475. Take that and then take the dog on the point spread for the final game and see if you can get a middle there.
4: I, I do like FAU's chances against San Diego State and what feels like right now, at least according to, to the books, pretty, pretty even game, right? You're going to catch a couple points here with FAU. They're the longest shot to win it. Do you look at them and say because they're the longest shot and it feels like it's closer to a pick 'em uh, against San Diego State that there could be value in that number? I would go
3: back to the mop. This is a scenario where we cannot, if we bet them to win, they're going to be a dog no matter who they face in the final game. However, they have two players who are eligible right now or on the board for most outstanding player. That's uh, Janelle Davis, who's 14 to 1, Mm -hmm. and Martin, who's 20 to 1. Divide those each in half at 7 to 1, 10 to 1. That is both higher than 6. Uh, plus 625 so that's another scenario where playing the most outstanding player is going to get you a better number than playing them to win the title
4: fascinating because again what we're doing here and hopefully we're, when we workshop this stuff here I, what Mike is pointing out certain teams it's better to play them to win the whole thing as a team or look to the mop most outstanding player and you'll get better value with two choices if you like said team let's cut down the net Mike great stuff Really enjoyed the last two hours. Uh, thanks for watching and listening here on the Lombardi Line. Thanks to Steph doing a great job behind the glass as always. Enjoy the rest of your day here on these.